Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the How to Save Our Planet podcast. I'm your host, Lottie Deal, and in this episode, we explore the world's first trial led by Sam Colton, a visionary cotton grower who is returning used cotton clothing like t-shirts back to the soil. This is all brought about by a partnership with the Cotton Research Development Corporation's $2 million investment in shaping circularity within the cotton industry and ultimately diverting clothing waste from landfills and closing the loop. Let's chat more with Sam. He's got some great stories to tell, so let's get into it. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today, Sam. I'm really excited to chat to you about your whole journey. But before we get into the circularity trial, I wanted to first of all understand what inspired you to investigate ways to return used cotton clothing back to the soil after you found Gundawindi cotton back in 1989. Well, Lottie, to go go back a bit on we have a little bit of a history on why is um, whether I'm the third generation, I have the fifth generation on the ground now of farming. We started farming, my grandfather did, at uh, North Star in 1924, and uh, we were traditionally sheep farmers until we could no longer ride on the sheep's back right in the 50s, and then we started ploughing the English way, you know, clearing the country and ploughing and growing crops, and we didn't got rid of most of our sheep. But we, I was born and bred in a time where there wasn't much. It was after the war years, and you utilised everything right the way through. You, you didn't have much waste. I mean, in those days, it was incredible. And then progressively on from there, went into irrigation and in the early, late 50s, early 70s. And, um, and then in the early, uh, late 80s, we decided to take, you know, we were cotton farmers and uh, uh, wheat farmers and, uh, we've been doing that all our lives and a number of other different crops and cattle. And, and uh, we decided to uh, value add a product that we grow and we grow some of the best cotton in the world, Australian cotton farmers do. So we decided to turn it into yarn and sell it on from there. But then we went from there on to making garments and uh, selling them out to neighbours and, you know, the riverside markets in Brisbane and those type of things. And, yeah, but when I started travelling and looking at the waste that was coming through from garments, it was in everything as well. I mean, everything. We uh, always worried about and talked about how we could get it, get those garments and get them back in the soil again, you know, to, to recycle those garments. And uh, it was, uh, yeah. It was something that we, it's the waste side 
uh, that got more and more and more and we are getting more and more waste. Uh, and I ran into, we had a meeting in town here and some people from Corio, the recycling people in Brisbane, they came down advisors and, and I couldn't believe what they were talking about. They were talking about, you know, recycling packaging and this type of stuff. And, and I said to them, well, what about cotton garments? We bring them down, shred them up and put them back in the soil because I said they, they disappear within three or four months, the microbes eat them and the way they've gone. And uh, hence, that's how it started and got up and got moving from there. No, I know Ash from Corio well. It's amazing all of the work that they're doing and kind of connecting everybody and really making waves and making the impossible possible. And it is such a simple concept, putting cotton garments back into the ground, but that's amazing that they break down in three to four months. Is that are you doing anything special to help them break down faster or do they just break down in the soil naturally? No, the microbes um, eat it. It's a food that goes back into the soil. It doesn't take long. It, 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 we hold a lot more moisture in our soil where we usually, in most times in farming, that's the biggest problem you have is moisture. It helps hold moisture. It helps our nutrients, our microbes, as I said. There's a number of ways that improve soil conditions, and that's what we're trying to do as farmers all the time so we can grow more produce off that hectare and out of that megalitre of water. It's really worked well, but uh, Corio, as we just, you know, you know them, and they're lovely people, but they made us think about a different way of doing things, you know. It was um, enlightening to talk to them. It was really good, and they were here for the first couple of years, and they are still on board. Yeah, no, it's working well. Just start from the top about the megalitre of water. Back when we first started growing cotton in 1978, we were producing a bale per megalitre of water. Now, a bale is 227 kgs. It can make about 1,000 to 1,200 T-shirts. A megalitre of water is the size of Olympic swimming pool to put it in perspective to you. Now, what we're producing now, through all the research and development by CRDC, Cotton Australia and the top people and the farming community himself, we are producing two bales per megalitre of water. It's amazing what's happening at the moment. It's, it's production and it is Australia-wide, our agriculture not just cotton, wheat, barley, cattle, we're producing more. 30 years ago, we started to change. We had to, not just the cotton industry, but every industry. We've got to get more production out of that megalitre of water. And we're doing that as farmers. Otherwise, you just don't survive. Everybody says you've got to get be sustainable. Well, what is bloody sustainable? I don't know. I believe we've got to sustainable town that is thriving, that's moving, that is, uh, we've got good education, we feel safe, medical centres, that type of thing. And what we're trying to do with our recirculation system, recycling system, is to, I'd like to build a factory out here where we could shred all the cotton, the garments, and the sheets, the towels, and the government say to them, they started off to say the hospitals 
I want you to send your sheets and towels and anything that's cotton to Gundawindi. And we put it into a massive shredder. And in our rural communities, you know, we get droughts and we get flooding rains, but more droughts than flooding rains. When we get a drought, a lot of people put their personnel on because there's no product coming through town. There's nothing helping me. With the shredding of these garments or sheets of towels, that will give us another industry to keep the butcher, the bugger, the candlestick maker going when we're in times of drought. It'll secure more towns in our areas, and Gundawind is one of them. It'll be just perfect, and we'll be able to do it in other places, you know what I mean? But it's another income coming in when the droughts and flooding rains hit, if you know what I'm trying to tell you. And we can easily put it back into our soils before within three or four months. It's amazing, and I think you're right. It's about kind of seeing it as such an opportunity. Correct. Well, you're, you're harnessing this opportunity that there is more that can be done in the outback of Australia whilst all of these awful things are happening due to climate change. You can also be kind of saying, well, here is what we can do and here's how we can keep those economies thriving as well, which is so important. Mm. Yeah, that's right. Another thing is sustainability. It keeps us sustainable here all the time and it's so important. I want to live here, I want my kids and my grandkids to live here. That's what I want them to do. And you've got to look after the coffee shops, the pubs. Your girls want to have your hair done, the hairdressers have to be there when the rain does come. Do you know what I mean? We've got to have that security behind us. And we have a town of 5,000 people here going to Windy right on the border. It's got to try and hold that. Otherwise, we'll all be down where you are, looking at the beach under an umbrella. <laughs> and, and, and try to cool down yeah. but no I think it's it's the important part of sustainability that we don't often talk about is a sustainable business is one that's going to be around for a very long time and that is the same with industries and towns is we need to look at their stability and how they can keep going forever and ever yes that's right any employ people give them good jobs that's how it has to happen. That's what we are responsible for as landowners and farmers and feeding people. I went to, it was in South Africa, and I visited this farm. And this bloke, he was the king of the tribe, and through a translator, he said, how many people do you feed? And we, we usually, I mean, the first thing you say is, yeah, you know, what did grow that cow? You know, when you're talking to another farmer, and how many acres have we got, and blah blah blah, that type of stuff. But he just the first question was, and how many people do you feed? I thought, yeah, my word, that's unbelievable. It, it, and that's what we're doing as farmers, and we've been in the game for so long. Our soils have improved, our, our, our standard of living's improved. We're right on top of it. It's magnificent country. It's working well. We've always believed that in our farming side there's to feed and educate the people, and that's what we have to do. And we, we've been able to feed you, but we're lacking in our education to you of how we do it because if you know where I'm coming from, you get all those different foods all through the supermarkets, all the different clothes, all that type of stuff, but you've got to come and talk to us and find out how we do it and why we're doing it. 
in the ways we're doing it. And we're worried about the laws. I love it. This project involves a landmark partnership between not only the CRDC, but Cotton Australia, yourselves at Gundawindi Cotton and Sheraton, and also there are some other retailers that are expressing interest. So can you share how this collaboration came about and what are the roles that each one of these partners plays? Well, yes, they have. There's uh, Sheraton Cotton Australia and especially CRDC on board. The uh, Oliver Knox from the uh, University of Armidale. He's a soil scientist from up there and a fantastic person on that side. Uh, uh, He gave us a hand. I think we start with a seed in the ground of my farm and it grows into a bush. We pick the cotton off it and then uh, it's sent off uh, and it's spun and knitted and then dyed and made into a garment. And then to have that returned to you, to put back in the soil is a fantastic ending. You, you can't have it any better. So those, they understand that and they know that and they're really trying to help me get this up and get it going. And it's going to take five or six years before we see any impact or if there's going to be any problems with putting it back in the soil, such as the dyes and that type of thing. But like-minded people around the table from different types of industry giving input has been fantastic. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I also think it helps everything progress a lot of a lot quickly because you're able to kind of say, this is what's worked in the past, or you're able to give your expertise after being in the cotton industry for so many years to say this is what will and won't work. So how do you think that this trial will ultimately present a scalable solution to textile waste? Because as much as I'd love to send you all of my old t-shirts to bury in the ground, I think every other Australian would too, and you're going to have millions of t-shirts soon. How can we make this scalable and something that can really close the loop when it comes to returning 100% of of cotton to back to the farm, really. It's a hard one, and that's why I need CRDC government at that type of thing to do a feasibility study. That's number one, the actual practical way of doing it. It's a what we've been doing at Gundawindi Cotton, we've been trading in your garment, and that has been working well. It's going to take time. Agriculture takes time. We'll have some unknowns along the way that we'll have to change and adapt to. But we have to have commitment. And that's what I have from those people and those organisations is the commitment to keep moving with it. It's a difficult one. Just how we collect all the garments, I don't know. But what we're going to start on and what we have started on is the easiest, which is uh, Sheraton Sheets. And then I'm hoping 
to bring the governments on board and start doing some hospitals with towels and sheets and gradually move on from there. That's uh, And how we put garments back in the soil. We've got to pull the buttons and the zippers and that type of thing out of garments and T-shirts could come back easily enough of the cotton, you know, cotton. We can shred those and put them back in the soil. But there is a, a long way to go and it's going to take time. Yeah, I feel like all of those different things that you just mentioned, time, feasibility, adapting to change, commitment, they're big tasks and I feel like there's a lot of possibility and there's a lot that could happen with this. And I think I, as you just mentioned, was naively just thinking about T-shirts, but, yeah, throw buttons and zippers into the mix and you've got a real a real difficult task on your hands. Yeah, it is. It, it's a major problem with clothing but you'll gradually get to the stage where we used to have to use robots or whatever to take those buttons and zippers maybe out of there with the AI programs that are coming through now that I foresee in the future to use that side of it. What we've also got to do I think is change the buying patterns. I mean you have to as a customer I want you to think about before you buy something, where is it going to end up and how is it going to get there? And I think that's one of the major things to come out of this, if you know where I'm coming from. Totally. I, I think for me it's those are the questions that I encourage people to ask is how long are you going to have it for? How many times are you going to use it? Who made that garment in the first place? But, yes, you're right, ultimately – where is it going to end up? And apart from driving all the way out to Gundawindi to drop it off to you, how are they going to get it there? Which is a really difficult task, especially when we are in such a huge country like Australia that is so geographically difficult to actually manage. So what are you thinking about when it comes to this kind of trial about getting everybody's cotton back to you? Well, what we're doing is what our customers are doing, they're posting it back and we are giving them a percentage return on their, you know, a trade on on their next garment, like a 10% or 15%, whatever it is in the company at that particular point in time to encourage them to bring them back. But, and that's the only way of doing, especially garments at the moment. It's all our problems and everybody has to make that commitment. I mean, You've got the recycle bins now that have come through and have been here for a number of years now. People are starting to really take notice of what they put in the recycling bin. And so they should, where when they first arrived years ago, they were just throwing it everywhere for what they thought. But it'll take time to adapt, change and adapt, as I see Lottie, to that. It's, it's not a short-term fix like nothing is or is in agriculture. Definitely. And I also wanted to ask you, Sam, I think cotton is getting this bad rap because of how water intensive it is as a product. And I wanted to kind of hear from your perspective, kind of the benefits of cotton. You can obviously bury it in the ground and it's going to break down nice and easily. But what are the other reasons why people should be choosing cotton over other materials when they're making a purchase? Well, Lottie, I don't know if you know it or not, but I'm going to tell you that everything uses water. Everything does. 
and you'll find that cotton uh, per garment doesn't use anywhere near the water that a synthetic garment does. If we're going to come back to garments, it's a, I mean, meat, uh, food, everything needs water to grow. I mean, you've got uh, your furniture in your room. I mean, it, it, if it's wooden, it needs water. Even synthetics, it needs water. So people talk about the irrigation industry. We have to have it. It's there. We have to have that continual product coming through. And when you look to cotton, there's about 110,000 bales of cotton, 110 million bales of cotton produced each year in the world. We produce somewhere between that four and five million bales of cotton here in Australia. We are very sought after cotton because of our length, strength and fineness. It's a high quality cotton. People say that we should be using other materials instead of cotton. But cotton is used through all your hospitals, all your healthcare, all your garments, and it can be and it put back into the soil and it does melt down. It's gone. It's a beautiful product. The world wants it. They do. They do want it. And I feel like as well, do you think, because a lot of the time at the moment, the material that we're getting or the T-shirts that we're purchasing are made from a polycotton blend that's mixed, so your cotton's mixed with a polyester and you're not really sure until you really look closely at the little label or the tag exactly how much polyester versus cotton is in that garment. Do you think in the future we'll see a shift back to 100% cotton like it used to be? Yeah, probably will do. It'll be the fashion. It'll be the conscious of people of where is this product going to end up if they ask that question when they purchase it. There is uh, spandex used in a number of garments and we also use a few, uh, spandex in a few of our garments that come through, but they are we're gradually phasing that out by changing the product, the style. It's going to take time. It's going to take time. I, I don't know, Lottie. Yeah, <laughs> don't know. It's it's a tough one. It's a tricky discussion because it's something that I think there was a reason why it was included in the first place. But like so many things that contain plastic, we didn't really think about where they would end up and ultimately how they would break down. That's right. It, it, it's the ultimate question when you purchase something: where is it going to end up? And then you start tracing that back. It, it, it is the number one thing that has to happen. Yeah. So. Beyond this circular trial that you're doing at the moment, how does it fit into the larger puzzle of delivering a long-term solution to waste in the textile industry? Because cotton is just one small piece of the puzzle. So what's, what's your vision that this will do for the rest of it? What we're going to do with the rest of it, I don't know. I don't know on that side. But this is working. We haven't any seen any detrimental effects in our soil. We've seen increases, as I said earlier, in microbe and in yield, in water. The other side of it, the synthetic side, that's why cottons, I suppose, is so sought after worldwide. Yeah, it is a really tricky one. I think it's a conundrum that we're facing across m multiple different industries, not just 
the textile industry. So for everybody who's been listening at home and they're inspired by your story and by you really championing the well, circularity within the cotton industry, what is one actionable thing that each person listening to this can do tomorrow to help save our planet? Think about where it's going to end up when you no longer want it. So simple. And it's not just your cotton T-shirts. It's everything, right? It's everything, Lottie. Everything. I know we buy a lot of clothes, but we buy uh, bits and pieces, computers, it's televisions, washing machines. Where does it end up? And that's what I'd be questioning when you go to the manufacturer or you go to the stores uh, uh, to buy any type of product, including groceries. The packaging that comes around meat and a lot of different packaging. Where's all that end up and what's going to happen to it when it does get into landfill? And what we're trying to do is provide farm fill for our cotton garments instead of landfill. I know, it's a hard one. (laughs) It is. It is a hard one, but you're working tirelessly every day to help protect our futures. So thank you so much for all of the work that you're doing and I will be following, as I'm sure a lot of our listeners will be, how this trial goes and all of the work that you do in the future as well. So thank you. Thanks, Lottie, and um, I appreciate it. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 